Welcome, guys. I am so excited to be here with Natalie. She is a mama of three and she is building a barnuminium. So we're going to hop into barnuminiums, country life, homesteading, home building, and life with kids is, is always really fun. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Cecily. It's a real honor to talk to you and a privilege. So thank you. Absolutely. I'm personally very excited for the topics we're going to dive into and, and what you're an expert on through your experience. What's new? Well, um, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but there's definitely <laughs> a lot of experiences going on. Um, one of them being that last week I had my first solo trip ever since I got married and had kids. And Oh, it's been eight years since wow. I traveled anywhere by myself and it felt really good. Um, but it was also very refreshing to, you know, gain a new perspective away from the kids, from the home life. Um, but I, I came back and my five-year-old, he, the first thing he said was, mom, I missed you for a thousand tomorrows. But I did not miss your food because dad cooks so much better-ish. <laughs> better-ish. Better I mean, he, he is a good cook and he's a good baker. Um, so hands down, he wins in the kitchen department. But I'm, I'm really glad to just be home. Yeah. Okay, Mom, I missed you, but dad is a good cook. <laughs> <laughs> so you run the Casa Cacao account which is your real last name and my favorite flavor <laughs> and um I know you you kind of base everything off of your homesteading journey this was you know less to sell something which we see a lot on on the, you know social media platforms and more to just share and you know encourage and could you go a little bit into you know what your mission statement would be on um, on your social media what people can expect to find Sure. Yes. So yes, Casita Cacao is really our home life. Um, I tell people we're not a brand. I don't sell anything. I'm probably one of the last accounts on Instagram that don't sell anything. Uh, we're not a product. Uh, we're just a normal family whose story is unfolding. And I share little bits and pieces of it as it's unfolding. Uh, but I would say that our mission on Instagram would just be to share our homesteading, our home building, our home schooling, our home life uh, as we're living it. Um, nothing is, is staged. And um, that's what the fun part for me is that we just share as we live it. Uh, but I would say that our life mission as a family would be to uh, preserve, to protect, to extend our kids' childhood. That's one of the reasons why we decided to move away from the city and into a childhood where they could really just take off their shoes and be close to nature um, and have them here at home with us, with my husband and I being their primary caretakers and teachers. And I would say that that would be our family mission. Amazing. Can you go a little bit into what, a barn dominium is and some positives, some unforeseen, you know, pros and cons. Sure. Sure. So we decided to um, 
based on this mission that we have with our kids, we, we do live in a little small desert town, uh, but it's very crowded to us now. And we decided to uh, purchase property out in the countryside in Utah and decided to build a barn dominion. Um, a barn dominion is essentially just a metal house. Uh, it's got metal siding and the pillars, everything inside is just metal. Um, we found that the benefit of barn dominions when they are truly essentially simple, just shops or squares or rectangles, they're very, very cheap, very fast um, to build. Uh, however, we did not know this going into building a barn dominion and we went in with height. I mean, ours is about 30 feet high um, and it's costing us a little bit more and also uh, financially and with time. So I would say that the benefits of the Barn Dominion uh, in general, when you do it well and when you do it um, resourcefully, it is very quick to build. Usually a wood stick house would take about, you know, seven months, uh, but an actual Barn Dominion can take up to six weeks to have the bones and the siding up. Um, and everything inside. So that is a huge benefit to building a barn dominion. Also the elements, the durability of it, it's metal. So you won't have any termite, you won't have any um, mold or rot. I mean, it's a very good option if you are not into maintenance for a regular house. Um, it is fire resistant. So that's another huge pro to it. Um, and you can choose open work plants. So they're really an open uh, book. They're structurally sound, so you don't need load-bearing walls. And you can play with it. That's why a lot of people have a corner for their home. And then the rest of it is an actual, you know, shop. So it's really good for, for guys that have their mechanic shops or, you know, woodworking, anything like that. Um, and then some of the cons is that, like I mentioned, if you do more of a creative house with a barn dominion, it's not a shop, it's not <laughs> anything practical. Uh, the price triples um, when it comes to height, it just jumps drastically. Again, we didn't know that. Uh, so instead of paying, you know, maybe 60,000 for us, we added a second story in a basement and we ended up paying 120,000 just for the metal kit and bones, which is pretty steep. Um, also another issue that we have found is that not everyone is experienced with building barn dominions. These buildings are, um, promoted as DIYable. They are not always <laughs> DIYable. My husband and I had no experience with construction and there's no way we could have lifted, you know, those huge columns and rafters. There's no way. Um, and it was hard for us to find people who were confident enough to say we can put this metal kit together, especially in a remote town like the one that we are moving to. Um, that we only had two uh, companies that could do it, two contractors, and um, and they still ran into issues. So instead of having it built in six weeks, uh, we are a year and a half in it in building just the, the barn dominion without doing the inside of it. Um, also another thing would be financing. Not every bank is willing okay. to lend you because it's not a traditional loan, it's not a traditional home. So that might be a problem. 
For us, it wasn't. We are building uh, debt-free. So as we go, we put together the amount of money and then we pay for it all at once. And so we have little goals here and there, which is another reason why it's taken us a lot longer than we we expected. So those are the pros and cons of Born Dominions. Um, this was supposed to be our guest house. It was supposed to be a small uh, 30 by 50 uh, Barn Dominion. We were going to live there for a year and then build our main house. Sure. But due to the fact that we are way over budget and time, uh, it's looking more like a permanent home for us. And I know you've thrown it out because I've answered a couple questions. What What are the most common questions that you get from from those joining in on your journey? Well, for those who are building a Born Dominion, they do ask us, like, what is the real cost breakdown? Um, Because they are advertised as cheaper to build and faster to build. And there's a lot of hidden costs in there that people don't know, and they will be surprised like we were. We thought that once you bought a Born Dominion, it was the entire kit. And we were surprised to to realize, which now looking back, we're like, why didn't we just look it up? We have to buy doors separately and windows. And um, you still have to frame the inside of this metal building with wood. Uh, And we thought we were skipping out on the wood part. And that's why it was cheaper. It's not. We're just paying double (laughs) now for the outdoor metal and for all the wood framing that goes on the inside. And I mean like every, all the wood framing around the actual um, barn dominion, not the indoor oh, walls. The outside, wow. Yeah, so so we knew like we were going to build walls with wood, wood sticks and all that, but we didn't think that the, the metal building itself around that would need wood. Sure. It does, because where does the sheetrock, you know, where do they nail that to? So it can't be nailed or screwed onto directly the, the metal. And then another huge surprise that we had was the actual insulation. Your traditional insulation wouldn't work very well with this metal building. You need something really, really good, which would be foam. And foam insulation is pricey. We are looking at an additional $23,000 just to insulate a uh, 30 by 55 uh, building and um, it is super important. We don't have another choice but to insulate with foam due to the fact that um, it's the only thing that will really reach, you know, every nook and cranny in the metal. And number two, metal buildings could be very noisy. Try rain on metal, raindrops. Um, sound is transferred very quickly and very well. So the foam insulation is the most helpful with that type of building. So anybody who buys a building like this will be surprised to know that they have an additional high ticket price for insulation with this building. So that's the the most common question that we get. You know, what is a real cost breakdown? And I've done and I've shared a lot of that on my stories. And I've also created small videos um, just to share you know how much we've spent so far on this small little guest house (laughs) sure and you guys are busy with three little ones and animals are those coming with you guys what do chores look like yes of course uh and one of the reasons why we're moving out to even more country is so that we can grow 
our homestead, we realized that um, we've been homesteading for eight years now, and there's no way we could go back to, you know, depending fully on the, just the stores and, and all of that, this way of life, it grows on you. And I think it'd be hard for people to let go of it once you're in it. Uh, so one of the reasons why we're moving is because we want to grow our farm. Um, we are bringing our cows with us. We have a bull, a full grown bull that um, it keeps us awake at night. How are we going to transport him, you know, all the way through canyons and mountains from California, all the way down to Utah. Uh, but it is something that we want to do. Uh, we not only raise cows for meat, but we also have sheep. Um, we've had goats at some point. We have turkeys and chickens and uh, alpacas and, um, all of them play a key role in our homestead and our farm. And um, we hope to only expand out there in Utah. Uh, one of the reasons why Utah was a good place for us is because we found a property with water and the animals will have access to that 24 seven. And also a lot of um, green grass and wildflowers that they can feed off of. And we don't have the, you know, the constant schedule of feeding them three times a day and filling up their waters and in the winter, you know, doing it through snowstorms. And uh, we're hoping that this will help us uh, as well and ease up our, our routine here at home. You shared with me one of the hurdles recently was, you know, we want to be free range. We want all of our animals to, you know, kind of graze as they want and then you're you're telling me fences actually became really crucial can you go into that a little bit yes I did I shared a little bit about the homestead cycle um, which a lot of people don't realize but going into homesteading we all get super excited and we want to just collect all the animals right and the first two years it talks about um, just collecting animals the next two years is like that slow realization it's sinking in that you just created a job for yourself that is 24 7 there's no weekends off and there's no sleeping in and then the last two years of that is either you burn out and you quit or you burn out and you adjust and we just had our seventh year which was really tough um, and my husband and I had conversations of, should we, you know, should we sell all the, the animals and just focus on the house build? Um, but it, it just took adjusting and being super honest with ourselves that one, there's some animals that we just don't enjoy racing mm-hmm. and that's okay. You can be honest with yourself and let go of those. For us, it was pigs and it was goats they were extremely noisy and extremely messy and committing every weekend to clean up their pens was just not feasible for us anymore. And then another thing was realizing that a lot of things could be automated. Um, We can have their water automated. If we could just invest in that, it'll free us the time, even though it does have an upfront cost. Uh, and so we don't check on the animals twice or, you know, like we used to, mm-hmm. we know that we can just automate their water and their water will be full. Their food will also be automated. We can hire help and we have, and that's okay. We don't have to do it all ourselves. And the third adjustment that we did that was huge for us 
was to, for the first time ever, put our cows in a corral. We loved having them free range. We loved having all of our animals free range. Uh, but it got to a point where at night they just took up this routine and cows have routines where they would come over to our side and around our windows at two o'clock in the morning, they just move by our windows <laughs> and we had enough. We were like, this is nice during the day. Yeah, It is horrible at night. Um, and so when we would chase them back to their side of the fence, they would jump the wrong fence, it would end up in our neighbor's yards. Mm -hmm. And this was at two, three in the morning. And we, it was just so stressful. So I finally built a corral for them. And it's been so nice. We have slept through the night. The cows are not something we worry about. Even um, traveling to Utah, when we would get phone calls from the person who was taking care of our homestead, our hearts would drop because we knew, oh God, the cows got out and he's calling us to tell us. And so if you can eliminate all of those worries and just adjust, um, you don't have to have the perfect looking homestead. You just have to create what works for you and what serves you. So that's a huge adjustment that we did. And we've been at so much peace without letting go of all of our animals in our homestead, which is something that we do enjoy. Is that feasible for just anybody to get into or, you know, what kind of helped you start out? Um, you know what, <laughs> I would say that if you are wanting to start on a homestead, um, if I can just throw this out there, first figure out what animals you want, why you want them, uh, and really look into why, not just because everybody else has them. Uh, we go into this thinking, well, it's not a farm if we don't have cows. It's not a farm if we don't have turkeys. And I can say it is a homestead if it's serving you the way that you need it to serve you. So I would first say, what animals do you really need? What food do you really enjoy eating? Don't go wild in your garden planting, you know, zucchinis if your family hates them because you're not going to know what to do with them and you just spent a lot of water and time in for them. Uh, so I would say once you have that figured out, then I would start building pens before you bring the animals in. We made a huge rookie mistake of bringing the animals before we had the pens. Uh, I promise my husband brought two piglets home and let them loose on five acres to catch those things. It was comical. <laughs> I promise we've provided so much entertainment around, you know, to our neighbors because we have just <laughs> done so many mistakes like that. It was hard to catch them. And then when we did build pens for them, we didn't know that pigs could break through anything, literally wow. anything. Um, and so we built the wrong pens for them. We thought we could have cows in wood, you know, fences that were right below, like, let's say right at my chest. Cows can jump through anything. I promise they can. They are really good at doing that. So you have to find the right containment for the right animal. And I hope you have that before you bring them onto your property. But I would say start with that if you are homesteading and also make sure that you have a good shelter for the food that you're going to bring in for your animals, because we didn't have a barn, we didn't have any shelter. And we made the mistake of buying tons of hay. I mean, tons at a time, uh, at one point we invested $8,000 and it was going to feed all of our animals for six months. We just 
put them out there in our yard and we didn't realize this was August and we had a rainstorm. We had a hurricane go through um, and it just created so much mold and anybody with experience would say, yeah, you need to cover all that hay up if you're going to bring it in. Um, We didn't. We just thought it's California. It never rains here. We're in the desert. It never rains. It's it's December and it's like 73 outside right now. Um, So yeah, those are little mistakes, little things that we've done that I'm pretty sure are so avoidable. Um, If you just do a little bit of research first and figure out what it is that you really want to do. Is there any one tool that you've invested in that's been a game changer? I would say that we use very basic, you know, there's always scissors in my pocket and there's always kitchen knives in my pocket. <laughs> and that's because when we go out, we just, you know, we break the the hay. Um, what is it? The ties that go around it. And we just like use our hands to throw over the hay. We don't have any um, tools. I wouldn't know how to answer except for invest in a lot of kitchen knives because you're going to lose a ton. (laughs) (laughs) They might not stay in your kitchen for very long. I think your, your faith journey is very inspiring as well. Do you have any favorite verses that you stand on? My favorite proverbs would be 28, 19. And it's where there is no vision. My people perish. Um, My husband and I constantly talk about, okay, well, what's our goal as a family? What's our vision? What does it look like? Um, Before we made the huge decision of moving out of state, we asked ourselves, you know, why are we doing this? And what's the vision? And through this verse, um, we just, we've come to understand that maybe we don't die physically, but there is a spiritual death in when when you don't have a goal there is an emotional death when you're just dependent on your your the system the routine the stores the convenience um and if anything were to go bad you know how would we react um a lot of people think that they would react in faith and that they would fully trust in god And they mistake the fact that God, when he called people from the Bible, he asked them to prepare first, Mm -hmm. right? We have like, we have the prophet Elijah and we have so many people, um, Daniel and who prepared for famines and um, yes, they trusted God, but they also had a vision and they prepared for that vision. And that I would say would be Proverbs that we live by um, just because we want to have our full faith on God and dependency on God, but we also trust that he's given us this time and these resources to prepare. And so that's where our faith in God comes from, that he will provide so that we can prepare. And our vision is that whatever happens in this fallen world, that we would be prepared and that we would be able to not only sustain our family, but also sustain those that are directly um, close to us. So if we can do that in this lifetime, I think that we have um, accomplished our mission and our calling. Amazing, Natalie. Thank you so much. I think your story is super inspiring. I, you know, I think that a lot of people share this calling. And, you know, we're sharing homesteading best practices and recipes. And, you know, this is what I found. And this is 
this is the pitfall I fell in. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's great to have your story out there and it's been an honor.